The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you. As together, we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. And welcome to Positive Talk Radio for a Wednesday. I've had quite the unusual day today, and it's been actually really quite good. Um, Eric, first of all, uh, Eric uh, is our uh, uh, engineer. How you doing today, dude? Hey, good afternoon, and happy Wednesday, Kevin. I'm doing all right. How about yourself, sir? I can't complain at all. As a matter of fact, you know, sometimes when you get uh, lemons, you have to make lemonade out of it. And I've had a, I've had one of those days where um, the guest that I originally had scheduled canceled like three hours ago. And uh, I, fortunately, I was able to do a podcast. I was doing a podcast with a gentleman who is here, and by no means is he a replacement. He is actually an upgrade, and, and not, not to disparage the individual who shall remain nameless so that I can have them back and they don't yell at me. Uh, but uh, I want to introduce to you and our audience a gentleman from all the way uh, on, on the other side of the country. He's in, I believe, Vermont. Is that correct, Scott? That is correct, and I, I am pleased to see that you introduced me first as a lemon and then upgraded me to an <laughs> orange or a mango. And so I, it's going to be a fruity be hour. <laughs> I'm the fruit of the hour. There we go. I like that. <laughs> uh, that that's very good, Eric. Very good. I wish I had uh, said that. I said oh, it's well. going to be a fruity hour, but if you want to be the fruit of the hour. No, I can be the, the fruit hour, of the that's, hour. That's I'm too. okay with that. As long as it's fresh squeezed, right, Kevin? Yeah. <laughs> Let's stretch exactly. this metaphor as far as humanly possible. <laughs> exactly. Now, I do have to say, though, that this gentleman, you know, I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to do the podcast before because, Eric, uh, let me just kind of see if I can remember and run through his entire resume. He's written 15 books, 15 books on a wide range of topics. He has a rescue at his home where he has uh, dogs, cats, uh, uh, donkeys, uh, different animals that he has rescued over time. He lives on 105 acres. He invites people to come there during the summer to, uh, um, to camp out there. He also is an EMT, and he's about ready to be an EMT instructor. He's a firefighter, um, and he is really is a very talented man. So, Eric, I'd like to introduce uh, Scott Graham to you, um, and uh, and say hello to Scott. He, I don't know when he's got time to sleep. This man. <laughs> Welcome. I Scott. don't either. Hey, it's good to be here, Eric. And it's, it's so nice to have you here because we have got lots to talk about. You're also, by the way, a motivational and a business coach on top of everything else. On top of that, yes. When it's, my do side, you, it's my side gig. <laughs> yeah, really. When do you have time to sleep? 
Oh man, I do sleep every night nice and soundly here with the dogs. <laughs> really nice. I can't <laughs> bet into bed early, up early, going, going, going. I would be remiss if I didn't to start off this conversation with. I have a good friend who uh, uh, has a show on Sunday mornings. Her name is Martha Norwalk, and uh, she's an animal communicator and a, an animal behavioral therapist. I would be remiss if I did not talk about the uh, the rescue first. So uh, yes, let's, let's talk about the rescue. What are you doing with that? Well, it was you know the 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 you know we talked earlier about my husband dying a couple of years ago, and we had started this rescue effort ourselves, uh, maybe eight, nine years ago, ten years ago. Rescued some sheep, rescued some alpacas, rescued two donkeys. I brought them home. Believe it or not, in, in have you ever seen? You've probably seen Kia Sportage those small little hatchbacky type four wheel cars. <laughs> yeah. I brought two donkeys home in the back of that Kia Sportage. And the only regret that I had, I, I didn't think of this at the time. I mean, their heads were sticking out the window and, and I thought I just drove down the highway with them cramped in there. I just wish I had gone through McDonald's drive through or any drive through with the two donkeys in the back of the car with me. Um, so Brian and I started this rescue and and rescued animals. And for any for for all intensive purposes, it was it was a, it was a piece of passion for both of us. But it was really a hobby piece. We talked, well, we should get this incorporated and really it's it could be bigger and it could outlive us. And we just really funded it ourselves. Uh, but after he died and I found myself just with one income, uh, trying to figure out what to do and wanting to really carry him forward in my life and carry the love that we had for each other and the vision that we had for each other and our lives into the future, uh, it became really a big piece of passion for me. And uh, we incorporated it. Uh, I've got some people on the board of directors. We are working to make it more self-sustaining. And we've done that. I mean, the animals are all cared for with the income that we bring in from campers and from donations. And it's, it's, it's a great way that's going to carry on Brian's legacy. And then eventually when I die, my legacy. You're going to live forever, by the way. Just thought I'd mention that. <laughs> my, I told you my mom lived to 98. See, so, so there you I, are. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be right up there with her. She, or she was, yeah, she was just about to turn 99. You've got good pants. I mean, I mean, jeans. <laughs> so. uh, I won't get short with you on that topic. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, not only are you doing that, which takes a great deal of time, and we were we were talking about the the fact that in Vermont, um, unlike here, it snows a great deal there, and it's in the winter time you can have snow that lasts from I don't know November all the way through till March or April. Is that true? Yes, and, and and we still have snow here. We may have snow, you know, scattered around till May. So, and and one of the things is is that uh, um, animals, of course, um, use use the facilities that are everywhere, and they are on the snow, and then it snows, and then they use the facilities more, then it snows more, but eventually the snow melts, and then you have got a cleanup project like no other. Now we can, there's certain words that we cannot use on AM radio, but that uh, is true. But uh, there's, there's a load of poop to deal with when you, when that happens, huh? 
There is. We, luckily, I have a number of volunteers who love to come and help. And there's one volunteer named Cheryl. And she does not like to do things like trim the donkey hooves or do some tough manual labor, but she loves to shovel poop. In fact, shovel poop might be her middle name. And she comes up here and she just goes at it. And it is a pooptastic event. She <laughs> gathers. It's, it's just amazing. Now yeah. that is a volunteer. That is a volunteer. <laughs> I will volunteer to come and come and clean up poop in 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 your place, and yes. uh, so it's 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 amazing that you did that. Now we didn't find that out until the end of our conversation that we had earlier, uh, because we were spending a great deal of time talking about your business coaching and your books, and I'm just I'm just. I'm flabbergasted at the number of titles that you've got and the number of different subjects that you copy or that you talk about. You've got, you've got a great deal of knowledge in that head of yours. I do. I do. It's uh, there's a, a friend of mine wrote a review of, of me at one point, her name is Cindy. And she wrote that I have this incredible um, abyss of uselessness. <laughs> and, <laughs> Or it was something like that. She's rough. She knows what she said. And she's, and I've misquoted her numerous times, but she's like, yeah, you know, you seem to know just about everything on everything. Uh, and you know what, when I was in college, uh, I really, really liked learning. And that's probably why I know so much about so many things. I graduated early from high school. I started college, you know, with uh, uh, in six or seven months left in my high school career. I was so eager to get there. And that was in 1981. And I stayed in college, including going to some, my parents bragged about it. They're like, he goes to summer school. And, um, and I just switched my majors. I took classes. I was there until 1987 in undergraduate school because I couldn't make up my mind. I had so many credits, Kevin. <laughs> I had so many credits by the time it rolled around for me to graduate. They gave me two bachelor's degrees. <laughs> two! <laughs> two! <laughs> Just because you hadn't gotten all the credits assembled in the correct order. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There was, so it wasn't two majors. I didn't double major. I got two. I had enough credits for two full bachelor degrees. Well, you know, it served you well over time because you've been able to do a, a bunch of stuff. And uh, by the way, I want to, two things I want to make sure that we get out during this uh, interview. The first is that um, you're an EMT. And uh, you're going to be an EMT um, instructor. And I want to thank you and all of the firefighters and all the first responders that you work with for what they do, because it, it, it is, in many ways, it's a thankless job. And uh, you, you are able to go talk to people and to help people when they are most likely in the worst position of their entire lives. Right, right. And did you know that most of the EMTs and firefighters in this country are volunteers? I did not know that. Most of the firefighters and EMTs in this country are volunteers, or they might get a little stipend. Uh, it, is, it is a job of passion and 
commitment. And there are careers, there are careers in big cities like Seattle and Denver and Boston and even in Vermont, there is someone might be getting be able to get a career in Burlington or some towns might pull money together. But by far the majority of the service that happens in the fire and and medical services community comes from volunteers. It's quite the commitment. It is a huge commitment. And there's a lot of schooling involved. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of, of a lot of walking into not very nice situations sometimes that no. uh, traffic accidents and and um, things like that and domestic violence and and things like that that you that you end up getting caught right in the middle of huh right yes and so that that, that makes it tough but that is just a piece of what it is that you do because in addition to by the way I, I've got to do this because I know that you've got some messages out on Facebook to some folks and if you'd like to call in and talk to scott you can if you got a question about being an emt if he is also a business coach and a life coach that we're going to talk about here in a little bit and he also has got a very unique uh viewpoint on grief that we're going to talk about and then we might even delve into the topic of uh mary jane uh, marijuana you know something that's legal in the state of washington so we can talk about it um, we can talk about marijuana, which is one of your books. One of yes, the fifteen it's legal in Vermont too. Oh, <clears throat> happy day! It's it's. I I think by the end of our lifetime, it'll be legal all over the country, and I hope it. Does. I I think so. I think so. And so and and, we'll talk- and 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 all the problems that come with it. But we will talk about those problems because I write about it in the book, and it's and I have to tell you, it's a piece that I have passion for because I've I have contacted our senators to talk to them, and I'm thinking like, are you guys clueless? Your guys are going to, this is going to be a mess five years from now. I'm guarantee you a big mess, but oh, we'll talk you, about that. Well, I, I think that you piqued my interest enough. <laughs> first, first of all, let me get the numbers out here. Uh, 425-373-5527. If you are a bona fide pothead and would like to talk to Scott about about marijuana, you can, you can do that as well. Any number of topics. He's, he's really well-versed on a bunch of stuff. Um, 425-373-5527. Or if you're like out of state, maybe, I don't know, maybe Vermont or someplace like that, you can give us a call at 888-298-5569. That's 888-298-5569. So I've got to ask you, because, you know, most of the time, because pot is a new legal substance here, and by the way, several years ago, uh, before they made pot legal here, we were always hearing about a budget crisis and they weren't going to have enough money for this. They weren't right. going to have, had to cut back and stuff. When pot became legal here, I no longer hear any of that. Uh, <laughs> is that because people are stoned or people have money? Which is, which, you know, are the legislators stoned and they just don't care? Or do they have enough money from the taxes on the marijuana sales? Bing, 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 bing. Uh-huh. Winner, winner. I, I got to tell you a quick story. There was a, there's a old tavern. It's on uh, Martin Luther King Way here in Seattle. And I was a bus driver and I used to drive by it all the time. And for years, it was just this little old podunk tavern. They had, they had a sign out front that said, 
best chicken in town, but the only way that you knew it was chicken is because the sea was missing. So it was like, you know, the chick, <laughs> the best chicken in, in town. And so, so it was a downtrodden place. Well, sadly, it closed. And then pot became legal. Somebody came in and refurbished it. And then they refurbished it again. They repainted the parking lot. They put the stripes on the parking lot. They, they landscaped the entire thing. And they did this all because of the revenue. And now, now they have got traffic control around the place. And they've got a, a security guy that works there at the front door all the time and, mm-hmm. and stuff. Because, because it's very, very, it's one of the most popular places in town. Um, and so, but I would be interested in your take on pot and, and, uh, tell us your experience. So first of all, I should, the, the two pieces about me to know about in this piece, you you said, boy, you've got a lot of degrees or certifications. I'm a licensed alcohol and drug abuse counselor. And I've been working in the drug and alcohol field since 1988. I'm also a rostered psychotherapist and I've been, I worked for the department of corrections at one point running a, a rehab program for them. And so this is a piece, this is a field that I kind of know about. I'm also a daily pot user. So before someone calls and says, oh, you just have issues that you haven't really worked out and you're just putting it on us. No, 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 no. This is a, this is a, this is from a person who smokes pots, who uses marijuana products and appreciates them. And at the same time knows the dangers of that. And there's, there are a couple things I talk about in the book. That are uh, that are hugely prom- prog- problematic, and I and I refer to this as the peacock problem. The, are you are you familiar with the many years ago? I, you probably know this. Your listeners probably know this. A few years ago, the they made these laws around service animals and disability and things like that. Yes. And when they made these laws or updated these laws, they weren't they were sloppy. They were pathetically, stupidly sloppy. And that led to people bringing peacocks on airplanes, people bringing service horses on buses, people taking their snakes into restaurants because it was my service animal and all kinds of other crazy nonsense. And it led to this whole cottage industry. My one my niece who will remain nameless, actually took advantage of this and got her dog a little vest that said service ant, because you're not, it's against the law to ask, what's that service animal for? You, she got a little vest that said service animal, a little card that said service animal. And um, Debbie took that dog to her to timeshares and other places. And that dog wasn't a service animal. She just, it's, it's, it's the peacock problem. And that's what's going to happen with marijuana. That's one of the things that's going to happen with marijuana. I can totally predict this. You will say it was on my show on, on March 23rd, 2002. We predicted it. Um, and the issue, and this is the first issue, the issue is around the medicalized aspect of the whole marijuana movement. Okay. So let me ask, let me ask you this. Kevin, when you want to buy food, where do you go? Generally, the grocery store. You go to the grocery store. When you want to buy liquor, where do you go? Uh, generally speaking, the the uh, uh, local liquor establishment that I know of. Okay. So you, you go to the grocery store, you go to the liquor store, but 
marijuana, you go to the, in most states, the dispensary. The dispensary. They don't say right. pot store. They don't say marijuana store. It gets, it gets framed in this medical aspect. It gets, when you, t- when you do marijuana, you don't take a serving. You don't, you take a dose. It's dosage. It's this nomenclature around medicine that goes on. And, and, and I get it because it's, it, it enters states through the medical arena, right? It gets legalized as a medical piece first. People get a medical marijuana card and then the recreational thing soon follows. But that medical piece is going to continue to have fallout for years to come. I'm not just saying that there's not a medical use for marijuana, but what I'm saying is that that can be manipulated just like my niece Debbie did with her dog. And you, you would not have somebody stroll into work today and say, you know what? I'm a little anxious this week. I'm worried about my daughter and she's going on a trip to, you know, California from Seattle and I hope she's going to be okay. I'm a little stressed. I think I'm going to have some vodka tonics and um, sling some back Monday morning. But somebody, if we're not careful, could stroll in with this medicalization and say, you know what? I've had a hard weekend. I need to do a couple of milligrams of marijuana. It helps calm me down. Well, do you really need that? No, you better not question my, my medical use of it because it's medicine, right? We all know that there, there was a time when vodka was medicine, when liquor was medicine. That's you true. Get it, you know, and and I mean, you could get. You know, there was a time when cocaine was medicine. You got it in coke, or it wasn't medicine. It was just really good Coca Cola. But that's, that's, but, that's right. So we have to be careful about what the stage that we're setting around this. Otherwise, we could easily have people, you know, flying planes, driving buses, uh, you know, all kinds of other things, doing light doses of marijuana. And saying, well, I have to do it for medical reasons. Um, Well, and fortunately at this point, the feds have not gone down that road because like in in my case, I was a bus driver and we used to have to take uh, random drug tests. And right, right. And and pot was one of the things that they flagged and you can lose your CDL still can. And that's actually a piece because I'm one of a couple um, they in in the Department of Transportation. They have substance abuse professionals. And that's another title that I hold. And so if somebody loses their CDL, if they're a bus driver or a truck driver and they've come back positive for marijuana, they need to meet with an SAP. And that's me uh, in Vermont. There's a couple of us. And um, we then determine what they have to do. And a lot of times it's just like, well, I just did a little marijuana. And I'm, or they, if you do CDB or CBD, there used to be a restaurant when I went to school called CDBs. And I, and I still get the Italian restaurant and the marijuana um, derivative mixed up. But if you take that, you're going to come back, you truck drivers out there, you're going to come back for positive, positive for marijuana because it picks that up. Um, so don't do the CBD or CDB, whichever one it is. Don't do it if it's a because you're going to come back positive. You're going to end the, and there's there's no ifs, ands, or buts because the government doesn't mess around. They're like, no. you lost it. You got to go meet with an SAP, and you just and you can't find the SAPs. There's not many of us. Um, you can and, drive to Vermont. I'm happy to meet with you. Yeah. Well, once you end in at least in in the state of Washington which I'm sure it's, it's federal. So it's gotta be everywhere. You lose your, you get, you get flagged for uh pot 
and you lose your license, you can't get it back for at least six months. And, and keep in mind that that is your job. Not only is yeah. it, it's, it's, so it's everything. I, I knew a, a gentleman that lost his CDL, lost his job with another uh, transit agency. And so he committed suicide uh, because it was a, a very, it, it, it ruins your whole life. Absolutely. And, yeah. So, and so we were counseled not to even take an edible that they considered to be, you know, just, just a medical thing that didn't have the properties. THC, I think is the property mm -hmm, for, mm -hmm. that makes you mm -hmm. high, uh, but mm -hmm. they can't get all of it out. So there may be higher than, I think it's 0.03 mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. percent or whatever. And if it's any higher than that, you get flagged and pot stays in your system for a lot longer than like alcohol. Oh yeah. Really. Oh yeah. That's true. That's true. And so so the other the other issue that I'll jump on just really quickly, which I th is a bigger issue than the medicalization, is the you know unregulated aspect of actually what is in the various marijuana products. It's like a Russian roulette, you know. And you know what we need. Like I'll give you an example for alcohol. We know, we know, generally speaking, one shot of liquor equals one glass of wine equals one beer and it takes about an hour for those to wear off right you know and so if you have more than that you can have a higher blood alcohol level there is no really clear consistent thing i'm just going to say thing we need a we need a thing that says this is what it is there's like alcohol we have proof Right. We know that an 80 proof bottle of vodka has twice as much booze in it, alcohol in it than a 40 proof bottle of liqueur. Correct. We need to, that's right. Because 40 times two is 80. Half of that. Right. It's easy. We need that for marijuana because otherwise it's a crapshoot on what you're taking and what you're doing. It's kind of appalling to me that we go to the grocery store and if you buy a bag of potato chips it tells you what the ingredients are and there's this really clear description chart from for morons that tells you sodium calories all, and, and it's consistent you could set that you can take that bag of potato chip and go to the pick up a, a box of butter and it's got the same graphic on it so you can compare calories, protein. So, I mean, people are concerned about sodium. Well, you know what? We should be just as concerned about THC and how, what that level is. You know, I don't care what it is, but we need to have something so we can tell the difference between a drop of this and an edible of that and a smoke. Uh, it, it's just, you, people don't know. It's going to be a big mess. Well, you know, I, and I, I got to ask you, since you, you know quite a bit about this, and mm -hmm. I learned about it firsthand because of my uh, son's uh, relationship with a significant other, that uh, she did what was called a dab. Do you know what a dab is? Yeah, yeah. And that, that's another product that, are, that, that is out there, right? So, so it's, it, you know, what it would be easy to, you know, we don't have to educate ourselves what a dab is as long as we have consistent labeling across the different products and then we are like okay well this we're going to take this resin and we're going to add it to the bowl of pot and then we're going to smoke it and it's going to give us this effect and it has that much information you know that much marijuana in it um it those types of products that are out and the and i can tell you these products are not going to end 
Like, I, I can tell you, I, I, my favorite, this is my own personal, Scott, admitting to the world on radio through Seattle, what my favorite marijuana product is. <laughs> um, and, and, and it, there's this, there's this marijuana store in Massachusetts, and they have pretty consistent labeling and producting across the store. And they make these, this really good tincture, and each drop of that tincture is one milligram. I've actually recommended it a couple weeks ago to a coaching client of mine who was having trouble sleeping. And I'm like, get this stuff. It's really good. It's one milligram per drop. He's like, cause I don't like taking edibles. Cause then I'm like totally wasted. And I'm like, that's because there's typically five milligrams or more in an edible. I said, if you had got one milligram of a drop and you want an edible, put two drops in your mouth that and eat a cookie. And then you have a two milligram Oreo cookie that you've just had or if you want three three milligrams put three drops in your mouth and eat a banana then you have a thc banana that you just ate with three milligrams what a nice edible um and the uh, the reason i tell you this is I mean, your users are going to be like oh my god what a great idea the best thing for a headache that i have found is two tylenol and one uh drop of the one milligram marijuana. I'm not wasted. I'm not this. I am just, it's nice. It's nice. Um, but that's because it's consistently labeled. I bought the same, not the same. I bought a different tincture from another marijuana store. I'm telling you, I had to put half the bottle in my mouth to get any impact from it. And I had no idea what it was. I mean, it was, I, it was supposed to be similar. It wasn't. <laughs> I have to tell you a quick story back in the day. And I mean, really back in the day when the Seattle Sonics were here, um, me and a bunch of guys, uh, went and played golf. And then we went to a, uh, uh, we were going to, we went to the, uh, Sonic game. And mm -hmm. then after the Sonic game, we were sitting in the guy's panel van, big blue van. And it was before we were going to go into the tavern and somebody introduced, um, a joint. And mm -hmm. I, I've never been a pot guy. I, I don't, don't particularly like it. Don't know like what it does to me and all that. And so, but I was, I participated because I'm a good friend. And they were like <laughs> six, six of us in this van. And um, we pass it around, pass it around, pass it around. And then it just dawned on me because we were all six of us were just sitting in the van, not talking, staring into space, going, uh, and I was thinking to myself, now this uh, is a good time. We're just, we're stoned and we're not doing anything. So I, that, I decided that, that it, it messed with my mind too much. And it, it, uh, it certainly can. Can you, so can, can you imagine, just, just think about this from an alcohol perspective. Imagine you go out to dinner and you get a glass of wine and you have it with dinner. Um, at just a glass of Chianti at a restaurant and you have it with your Italian dinner. And then the next day you go out and you have a glass of Chianti and it seems to taste the same, but it's got five times as much alcohol content in it and then you're plastered on the floor because you had one glass you know what and i don't like about that is you're right because if you if you end up if you think that you're getting something and you get something else and then you get behind the wheel of a car and then things can turn out badly absolutely you know, I went to my and, and, and medical professionals are clueless about this. I went to my doctor because I had a knee replacement and had to go for some, you know, this surgery. He's like, how much do you drink? And I see, you know, I'm like, you know, sometimes I'll have like, you know, on the weekends, I'll, you know, go through a bottle of wine or two and 
not on a regular basis. He's like, Oh, you know, that's a lot of liquor. And then I'm like, aren't you concerned about how much I, how much marijuana he's like, um, 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 I'm like, are you concerned or not? He's like, well, how much are you doing? And I said, uh, two to three milligrams of night. He's like, okay. I'm like, is that good or bad? Um, 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 right. Like he's talking to me about the wine. I could be, he's got, they're clueless. Oh my gosh. Yes. And and this is a nightmare in the making. And that is not something that uh, they learned in medical school because in those days it was all illegal. By the way, we've got somebody from Milwaukee who would like to talk to you. So he had, I guess in order to get calls on the show, we have to bring up pot. But anyway, Andrea is here and she would like to talk to Scott. Andrea, welcome to the show. How are you? I am great. Great to talk with you both. Well, it's great to have you here. Do you have a question for Scott? I do, Scott. So, I'm I'm listening to these stories and how amazing that your your experiences with pot are. I have to admit that this is something that I have actually never done in my life, <laughs> and and honestly, it kind of scared me for a lot of the reasons that you were just talking about. So, if somebody did want to try it, what would you recommend? I would recommend my personal recommendation. See, this is what the this is what the marijuana advocates say, which is I'm going to tell you is a bunch of hooey, right? That's like go. What do they say? Start low and go slow, or go slow and start low, or something like that, right? Um, and uh, that's that's just BS. That'd be like some. Can you imagine Budweiser saying, "Here, try our beer. Just start slow and go low, or something. Just start." with couple of beers see what it does and then drink some more and see till you get a buzz and then stop um the my best recommendation for that is to find a marijuana product that is measurable down to one milligram and I'm, when i say one milligram i'm talking about one milligram of thc that can be a hard thing to find, Andrea. Uh, and some marijuana places, like I just told you, I got tincture from one place, and I thought it was great. And it, and again, I had to drink half the bottle. But you start off with one, one milligram, and that might be one drop or two drops, depending on the uh, depending on the bottle. And then go. For, that gives you the most control, because then you can say, okay, I know what two drops are. And I know what three drops are, and I know I can do two drops and wait a couple of hours, and I'm fine. Or if I have four drops, I can't do it. Um, if you're smoking pot, that introduces a whole nother element because you don't necessarily know the THC that's coming in there, and it in, 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 in the, it mixes in how long you hold it in your mouth, I mean in your lungs, um, how quickly you blow it out. You learn lose some of the the potency to what's called the side stream. Um, if you do it orally, you know, put two drops on a spoon. You know, you got two drops on a spoon. That's it. Put two. Um, I I I I always put my drops on a spoon before I put it in my mouth because I have this fear that I'm going to take the dropper and like put it. You know, I'm I'm out here with this rescue and like a sheep is going to like or a pig is going to make a noise. I'm going to squeeze the dropper and put like 400 drops in my mouth or something like that. Um, Then then that's the end. I'm just going to listen to Pink Floyd and. hang outside and look at the stars 
<laughs> so, so Andrea, have you have yeah. you ever thought about? Uh, obviously, you've thought about doing it. Is first of all, is in Wisconsin is pot legal? It is not. Ah, well, it is not. That, so I would need to travel. Um, there are, some, are you tra- are you going any place where pot's legal? I will be going to closer to your area uh, in, in June. So. So what I would suggest you do is um, come to, you know what, if you come close to my area, Andrea, Andrea, and you find my website and message me, I will come find you and I will bring you some droppers of marijuana and we can go see the Van Gogh exhibit together, one of the, that immersive Van Gogh exhibit. I would, I'll, I'll go to see that immersive Van Gogh exhibit with you um, Stone, how's that sound, Andrea? Wow, that's quite an invitation. I appreciate that. All my right, and you don't even have to buy my Stanford. book. You don't <laughs> even have to buy my book. And and, oh, and right. by, Andrea, just just as an aside, uh, just from my personal experience, um, yeah. start start slow because if you take too much, it doesn't stop. It's not like you can say, "Uh oh, I'm getting." too high because I took too much. You don't find that out until it's way down the road and way too late. So, so I guess Scott's advice is, is absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it scares me, you know, I, um, because it, there is no way to tell. And so I appreciate that advice and just understanding finding a reputable place is so important. Right. And, and, it, and Andrea, there's, illegal. And Andrea, it's 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 going to be a problem until these government e- entities give us the equivalent of a you know a thing on the side of the bottle that's consistent right. across all the brands, just like we have right. with potato chips, Doritos, donuts, milk, cookies. It's easy going to the grocery store figuring out. Well, I'm trying to avoid salt. You can avoid salt really easy. Just look at that label. It's got sodium there. Easy, easy peasy. We need the same thing for marijuana products. So when you grow, though, when you grow the marijuana out in, you know, the backyard or whatever, you know, there's multiple places all across the country who there are growers now. I know that some are regulated because some states have that. But how do you tell how much THC is in this plant versus that plant? That becomes a hard piece, right? Just like, and I'll tell you this, you know, I grow my own marijuana. I've got a humongous garbage bag full of marijuana. I can't give it away. It's like, it's like people that in the, in the summertime that grow uh, squash, right? Or, uh, you know, there's at some point in the summer where everybody, you've, everybody has zucchini coming out of their nose, their butts, and every, there's zucchini muffins, zucchini pancakes, zucchini bread. Everybody's giving zucchini away because there's so much. That's how much marijuana I have from everything that I've grown. It's crazy. You don't know when you grow it at home. Just like I also make mead, which is honey wine. Um, I make- My son um, just started making mead yesterday. It's, it's so you don't know you can, it's it you there's you it's hard to figure out the alcohol percentage when you're making booze at home 
right? You just have to kind of guess. You can look at the weight and the sugar volume and stuff like that. But, you know, there's no label on my mead. There's no label on my Acer Glen. Acer Glen is really good, by the way, because you make it with maple syrup. It is the drink of Vikings. You make five gallons of, of, of Acer Glen out of like three gallons of maple syrup and two gallons of water. And the maple syrup feeds the uh, bacteria, not the bacteria, the, the yeast. And yeah. the yeast poop out the really good. Oh, Acer Glen is just heaven. <laughs> oh, that's another. Yeah, I, I, you didn't even know that I was making this. Other Kevin's like got his finger on his thinking. Wow, what else does Scott do? <laughs> it is. It is. It, it truly is remarkable because every time I talk to you, I learn a whole bunch of new things that you're doing, and it keeps coming back to me. It's like, when in the world do you have time for all of this stuff? <laughs> well, you know, with Glen, you just have to like you know mix it all together and wait. Same thing with mead, and same yeah. thing you know with pot. You just mix it all together and just you know, put it outside and, you know, put it in the greenhouse and away it goes. There you, you go. Well, Andrea, thank you much for giving us a call. Yeah. Thank you, Andrea. Awesome. Great to talk with both of you. Thanks a lot. You have an awesome afternoon and, and thanks for calling positive talk radio. By the way, that does open up a phone line. If you'd like to give us a call and talk to Scott, we are actually going to talk about something else here in a minute. And so we're not pot dominated, but, uh, four, two, five, three, seven, three, five, five, two, seven, or eight, 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 two, nine, eight, five, five, six, nine. And, um, I wanted to talk to you, Scott, about one of the books you've written that is, I think going to be very impactful for a lot of people if they get a hold of it because um are you familiar with elizabeth kubler ross i am you're gonna you're gonna ask about the grief book i am you are and uh elizabeth kubler ross of course wrote the uh five stages of grief and uh we all go through loss in our lives and I asked you um, when you told me the horrific story. Uh, Brian was his name, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. The ter horrific story of of his passing. Uh, that uh, and my response was, "Oh, I'm, I'm I'm so sorry." And your response was, "A better thing to say is congratulations." And that, of course, made me stop and think and go, now, wait, I now that's 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 I've heard that word. I've used that word. I understand that word. I've never used that word in this context. So you're going to have to help me here. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, interesting thing about Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, she came up with and I talk about this in the book as a historical oh, piece oh, to reference around nice. this, because I, I want and I want to give people a good grip on both people who are grieving as well as those that are looking to support the people that are grieving. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross came up with these stages, anger, denial, bargaining, things that people are probably all familiar with because it's popped into pop cult psychology for forever now. She came up with these to help people who were dealing with terminal illness. So I've got cancer. I'm struggling. I'm dying. It's, it's really upsetting. What do I do? How do I go through that piece? I'm angry about it. I don't think I have it. There's depression. There's bargaining. There's finally some acceptance. And I have some peace around that as I'm approaching the end of my life. It was hijacked 
it was hijacked by these deaf people that uh, talk about that uh, as a as a piece. And Elizabeth Kubler Ross herself said before she died that her biggest regret was that she didn't stop this hijacking of her concept to apply to mourning when you lose a loved one because it's different because it's different very very um, much so I, and right? and you, th you think about that we were talking about vipassana and the attachments and things like that you know we love somebody so dearly right it's it's it that's a totally different thing if you're or a dog or you have a relationship that break break you're breaking up or you have a child you've lost a child right that that you raised how challenging that is, how awful that is. And that, but that's completely different than I'm trying to deal with my own mortality and figure out what's going on with me and try to have some peace with this diagnosis that I have. Um, it's, you know, that it's, it strikes me. This is a great conversation because just, what is it like, you know, a couple days ago, it became official by the, um, the DSM, which is the Bible that the psychologists and psychiatrists and social workers use in this country for diagnosing people and labeling people. They just came up with this diagnosis of, well, they didn't, it's been floating around for a while, but they just officially adopted this diagnosis of, you know, prolonged unresolved grief. And, you know, if you, I went through the diagnosis. And, you know, the, you know, they say you have to meet this criteria, you have to meet that criteria, you have to meet this criteria, you have to meet that criteria. I'm at like three of those criterias. And so I would, I would probably be diagnosed with, by those ding-dongs as having this unresolved grief. What a crock of baloney. Um, and I'm not grieving. I mean, I'm grie I mean, I grieve because I lost Brian two years ago. And when I when I feel sad, when I talk to him, talk about him, when I see things that were a part of our lives, um, that's it's it's yeah, it's I feel lost. I feel sad, and I should. Grief is not should. a pro grief is not a problem. It's not a problem to be cured. It's not a problem to be medicated. And if someone's depressed or someone's anxious, those are that. But grief itself is not a problem. And if anything, grief's a gift. If you're grieving, you are freaking lucky. Well, like I like I said to the podcast, and by the way, you can go listen to the podcast, the earlier one, because we also talk about ten days ten days of meditation where you don't speak, and and we talked about some of the other things. There's just not enough time to talk to you in just an hour. That's that's because they're you're so diverse and have got so many things. But I, you know, between that 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 recording and this recording, I are you close to a kosho or? Alaska, Washington, uh, Ak Alaska, Washington. Does that sound familiar? On Alaska? On Alaska That's it. Washington? Yes. Yeah. Yes. There, you could do a 10-day course right then and there. Not, I looked I'll... it up just for you, Kevin. <laughs> so you, I'm like, there's got to be a passionate course near Kevin. And there it is on Alaska, Washington. Not a friggin' prayer would I make <laughs> it through 10 days of silence. I I can't stop talking to myself, let alone talk to anybody else. So, but I did want to mention though that you are that that Scott, you are right because my brother had stage four lung cancer and he went through those five stages. Yeah, 
of anger and and he ended up you know all of them and then he ended up with at the at the very end he ended up with um um surrender and he gave up to it and that mm-hmm. and but but that's what he did and grieve but the p- people that I know I know people that lost their parents 20 years ago and they're still grieving yeah uh, and 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 in your case grief and you called it a and we talked about this before you called it a um a, um, a celebration because you were celebrating the fact that you had a deep enough relationship that was so special where both people were so taken with each other and was so important to each other that you it produced when one of them passed away sadly it produced um a feeling of of loss and stuff but that but in order to attain the feeling of loss, you had to have the feeling of love and, and yeah. the total acceptance. So there's yeah. a dichotomy there. And- right, right. Exactly. You know who's got more? I have to tell you, this is this just I was I was in tears when I heard this. And I don't even know if I can say this when I hear this. Um, but um, I was watching WandaVision, which is a, which is a, which is on the Disney Channel. Right. And 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 if you for you, Marvel, for you people who are not Marvel comics fans out there, you know, Vision was killed and Wanda went nuts and she was struggling with this with, you know, her husband and not, you know, or her spouse or whatever he was being dead. And she created all this big mess. And that's in that's I don't want to do any more spoilers than that for the Disney show. But it's it's a comic book show. And um, she was really struggling. Boy. This really speaks to me of what grief is and what Brian still means to, to me. Um, at the, it was like the last episode, like 10 minutes left in the episode. And he was trying to, you know, she was letting him go and, and working through this. And she said, I don't know if I can lose you again. And he looked at her and said, what is grief but love persevering? And that to me, really speaks as to what it's not it's not a thing to be diagnosed it is just love persevering in our lives every day what a great thing to have it really is it 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 really can be now if you if you have my particular uh, viewpoint he's still with you you know and he's yeah around you all the time well you know Part of the thing that I've done is, uh, is I've part of the thing that I've done around grief, and this is an important thing that you people can do around grief. It's a piece I talk about in the book is what can you do to carry that forward and integrate that? And so in a very meaningful way, Brian is still with me um, to uh, in the rescue that I'm doing. Um, I actually made a decision two months after he died to legally change my name and and you know my legal name is now g scott graham dash stevens you know we didn't do this when we got civil union or married because we just didn't uh and um and i and i wanted to have something to carry forward and the interesting thing is now after 9 11 it is a nightmare to change your name they actually have to change your birth certificate if you do not if you're not married and there's a legal document to change that they have to change a legal document so that so that it all connects on the computer system and so i I actually had to go get a court order and they actually had to send 
the court order to Cleveland, Ohio, where I was born, and they issued a new birth certificate. And my last name on the birth certificate is now Graham-Stevens. So it connects to my driver's license and, and other pieces. Um, but I had to go to the courtroom and I had a friend of mine come up uh, and who went with me. And you have to explain why you were going to do this uh, and why, why it was important to you. And the judge then makes a decision to do it or not. And so I told the story that I shared with you earlier, and it's also in the book um, of, of Brian and my life together and um, how he died and, and what happened. And I mean, I was taught, everybody in the courtroom was crying by the time I finished. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, the judge, she wiped away her tears and she said, what a privilege that you want to do that. And you know, Every time from now on till the rest of your life, for the rest of your life, every time you write your name, he'll be with you. And there'll be a reminder of the love that you had together. Um, what an extraordinary, extraordinary tribute. Yeah. That yeah. was, you know, and I guess, I guess changing your name is, is, um, I guess you got to go to court to do that. Um, and I was married for 24 years and, and my ex-wife changed her name back to her married name. So now she, my, my wife doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> so, which, which by the way, for me works just fine, <laughs> but, but by the way, I, I, congratulations. I wanna, thank, you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. But I want to I want to thank you, Scott Graham, for being here. You you are an extraordinary man, and uh, I really appreciate all the things that you've done, what you're doing for your community, what you're doing for the animals, um, and everything, and all the books you've written. Please go check out his website, which is gscottgram.com. And there's a book page. You can look at all of the books he's he's written. We've only talked about two of them. There are 15, and there's a lot a lot more that he could uh, that uh, he's got in in all of those. So check check him out. He is he is. I I just met him today. He's a he's a remarkable human being. And I want to thank you so much for being on the program. You are a special dude. I have to say. It's a privilege. Thank you for the opportunity to speak and, and share my experience with your listeners. And we have got about two and a half minutes, and I want you to take a minute of that to tell our audience anything that you would like them to know. This is the time for you to get on your soapbox. Oh, my gosh. Anything I would like them to know? That's legal and, um, and, and not going to get beeped by the uh, producer, Eric. <laughs> uh, wow. All right. So... This is the piece that I would say, everything changes. Everything changes in our lives. So my little soapbox, I mean, not so much about me, but a little piece of wisdom to kind of hang on to. And as we experience those changes, the biggest barrier to accepting those changes is how we see ourselves in relationship to those changes. You know, a teacher once said to me, you know, we're, we're all making it up in our head. We're making up a movie. We're the, we're the star. We're the director. We're the producer. We choose the music. We create this stuff in our head. 
And, and I want the list, your listeners to know that no matter what's happening in their life, the thing that they're creating in their head is going to make it easier or harder um, with what's going, you're not going to change what's happening in your life. If someone's died, if you've lost your job, if you've got whatever trials and tribulations you have going on in your life, there's nothing that, then the, you can take action around that. But a lot of these things are situations you can't change. And, and the biggest gift that I got and the biggest thing that has helped me through this loss of Brian and our 31 years, uh, our relationship of 31 years ending has been this piece of, of at accepting things as it is. I have a friend named Sue and, and oh, I, mean, one, I, I got to stop oh, you there. Cause there, there we that, go. that was longer than a minute, my friend. And Sorry. This is a. I'm <laughs> along. We'll have to do another show. Yes, sir. Go to G Scott or G Scott uh, um, Graham.com and be kind <laughs> to each other. Take care of each other. We'll see you on Friday at noon.